Welcome back to the Southern Unsolved Mystery Series. We are coming to the end of the line when it comes to the Southern United States. However, I will be doing follow-ups with different cases for each of the states covered thus far, but I will also be covering the rest of the United States as well. With that being said, we still have three more Southern states to cover, and one of those is Mississippi. Boxed in between Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, and Louisiana, the state boasts the wondrous, yet dangerous Mississippi River. But as we have come to learn in this series, no matter how serene a place can be, tragedy is always just around the corner. Oh, also, did you know the Mississippi River's water flowed backwards in 1812? No? Just me? Alrighty then. Today... I will be sharing a handful of tragic and unsolved cold cases from Mississippi. It is my goal with this series to bring more attention to cases that may not have gotten the fair amount of media coverage they deserve. If you have a case from your local area that you would like me to check out, send in any recommendations to swampdweller.net or in the comments down below. Number 1 Henry Young. To start this episode off, we are jumping back 31 years to the summer of 1990. We find ourselves in a small town known as Jonestown in Coahoma County, Mississippi. The town in 1990 had more residents than it does now, with just under 1,500, now sitting at 1,100 in current times. It is an average small town where everyone seemingly knows everyone, and nothing really happens. But no matter how small the town, every area has its fair share of dark and tragic secrets. Henry Young was one of the 1,500 residents who called the Jonestown area home. He lived and worked on the Alcorn Russell Farm. I cannot find much about the farm itself, but it seems to have been a typical agricultural farm. Henry drove a dark blue 1976 Ford Maverick with a white top, a yellow driver's side fender, and a Mississippi license plate of 1DBP974. From what I could gather from the limited sources available about this case, Henry left the farm on the night of July 23, 1990. It is rather unclear where he went or what he was doing, but the next time Henry was seen, a witness was reported to have seen Henry driving his Ford Maverick out of Jonestown with a 17-year-old girl. This would be the last time Henry would ever be seen again. This girl was subsequently found and questioned about that night a little over two weeks later on August 7th. According to her, she had robbed him and beat him to death outside of the Silver Saber grocery store in Tutwheeler, Mississippi. She claimed a 15-year-old boy from the area also helped her commit the crime. What was strange, though, is she claimed that she did not kill Henry until August 1st, a week after his disappearance. Both the teenagers were arrested and held for Henry Young's murder. Oddly enough, there did not seem to be much of any evidence to back up their claims. They did not find his car or body yet, and after bringing out helicopters to search and dragging the Hobson Bayou alongside the highway, 
they found nothing. Finally, just over a month after Henry Young's disappearance, his car was found near Friars Point, another small town settled on the Mississippi River. The car was parked just 50 yards away from the river, and the grass had noticeably grown up around the car, as it had been there for a while. There was no sign of Henry at the scene, though. A few days later, police did find his shoes, car keys, and pants. Unfortunately, without a body or any evidence of struggle, police could not build a strong case against the teenagers who confessed to killing Henry Young. Henry Young was born on July 5, 1900. He would be 120 years old if still alive. This is unlikely, but his family and friends deserve closure nonetheless. Henry is between 5'5 and 5'7 and weighs about 120 to 140 pounds. He has gray and black hair, brown eyes, and goes by the nickname of Sug. If you or anyone you may know has any information on Henry's whereabouts, please contact Coahoma County Sheriff's Office at 662-624-2411. Number 2. Brian Kent Martin For this next case, we are jumping to the year of 2001 in the small city of Biloxi, Mississippi. With a population just over 46,200 residents, Brian Kent Martin was living in the Biloxi area in 2001 after his family had made him leave his home in Georgia. After a long history of behavioral problems and poor grades, this would lead him to drop out of high school at the age of 17. Around that same time, he would also join a gang, which was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. Brian's family no longer wanted Brian around. They felt he was being a bad influence on their younger children. Before we can go any further, let me set a bit more context. Brian was dyslexic and had a hard time in school, so it was thought that gang activity may have been appealing to Brian. Little was known about Brian's time in the gang, but he would leave after being beaten very badly and almost dying from his injuries. He and his family would subsequently move to Mississippi. Brian would begin to work as a construction worker for his father's company at the time. Things would seemingly be going well. Well, that is, until the summer of 1999. Brian's parents were getting a divorce. At first, Brian went back home with his mother to Georgia, but he would soon return to Mississippi. It's not exactly clear why he did this, though. When he did do this, though, he began living as a transient. Brian was known to frequent a club by the name of South Beach Club, which from my research has been since demolished. He was also known to hang around some places called Bombay Bicycle Club, he was also known to hang around a place called the Bombay Bicycle Club. He did not have any known transportation and often relied on his friends to take him places. He was thought to have been staying at the Lexington Apartments off Pass Road in Biloxi. Brian Martin would suddenly go radio silent. 
He has not been heard from or seen since he called his sister to let her know he would not be able to attend her wedding in Tennessee. That was in March of 2001. Eventually, Brian was reported as missing in September 2001 by his sister. There has been no activity on Brian's driver's license and no employment history at all. He did not have a passport and his family strongly thinks him leaving the country is unlikely. They think he was murdered. Brian Kent Martin is six foot one. He weighs roughly 240 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes, and one of his eyebrows are pierced. He typically wears a silver barbell in the piercing. He has a tattoo of a gang band on his upper arm. He was 24 years old at the time of his disappearance and would be roughly around 44 years old now. Since so little evidence can be attached to this case, officials have not had much luck finding Brian or any clues as to where he may have gone. If you or anyone you may know has any information pertaining to the whereabouts of Brian Kent Martin, please contact Biloxi Police Department at 228-435-6112. You can always remain anonymous. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Unsolved Mysteries series. Like I said in the intro, we are coming to a close in this series, but never fear, I will be doing follow-up episodes to each state we've covered so far, and I'll also be covering even more states from across the country. If you have any cases that you would like to recommend for a future video, be sure to submit them at swampdweller.net or comment them down below. If you enjoyed this video, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, which is incredibly helpful. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it's very helpful to us over there and very much appreciated. If you guys are new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, and don't miss a new video as I upload them nearly every single day. And all things natural and supernatural. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium and still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and maybe giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp merch. Thank you again, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.